there is a legend that the instant the Duke Vito Atreides died, a meteor streaked across the skies above his ancestral palace on Caladan. From Introduction to a Child's History of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, like Evan, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. Whoa. <laughs> Can you say that again? And I'm Evan Diaz. Together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Something weird that happened? Was, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, it like glitched on my end. I don't know if it glitched. Did it glitch on your end? No. Oh. Well, we'll see what the recording says. Later. We, we roll with it. We roll with it here at Reading Dune. Yeah, but you sound like a robot. Bleep. I am Evan Diaz. Bleep. Yes, that's exactly what you sounded like. I was like, well, I can't use that. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch this one just to hear my cool Matrix sound that I made. Well, you only have to watch a minute of it, so it's good. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, also, for people listening on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, you can watch us on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube and you miss something or are driving, you can hit us up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yep. We really appreciate it. On YouTube, you could subscribe. Hit that like button on Apple Podcasts. A good rate and review doesn't hurt anybody. We've had some one stars. People don't like us. So a five wow. star would be great. Really? People are like trolling through Apple Podcasts to give people one stars. Awful. Terrible job. <laughs> Disgusting <laughs> podcast. Calm down. Their audio, their audio sucks. They should do a better job. I'm so angry. Stupid. Oh, also uh, a note on watching us on YouTube. If you're, if you've been listening, you know, patiently hearing our voices and you don't want to know what our faces look like, please just don't, don't go on YouTube. In fact, <laughs> I had this thought of, okay, I'm totally not talking about Dune right now, but I had this thought of listening to a new podcast and drawing what I think the people's like faces should look like. Right. And then going and like sending it to them and finding out what their faces actually look like. Because <laughs> 10 out of 10 times, I'm surprised at what podcasters actually look like. You know what I mean? So I guess you can't tell what people look like by just hearing their voice. No, especially when, you know, like people that do podcasts are like, welcome to the new episode of and they have their sexy podcast voice on. And they get real close to the mic and do the voice like this. I am blah, blah, blah. And then you see their face and you're like, whoa, you're a dweeb. You don't sound like. <laughs> Who's, like Guy Raz does that from like how I built this. Like I have no idea what he looks like. Or yeah, right. there's a couple others, these big ones like This American Life. I'm just throwing out podcast names, but like you see their face and you're like, that's what they look like. Right. The biggest one for me, okay, deconstructionist got me. I did not expect their faces to look like what they looked like. Also, JJ Peterson from the Story Brand podcast. Yeah, didn't did see that one coming. Looks like that at all. Not that it was bad. I was like, whoa, that's JJ. That's <laughs> crazy. You know what I mean? But I wasn't picturing that one in my head. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, so if you don't want to know what you look like, just don't come on there. But you know you have gotten people, Evan, by that comment. They'll they'll listen on Spotify or podcast and they'll be like, wait, Evan told me not to, so I'm going to. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. That'll probably happen. But hey, 
I would love to see some some imaginative fan art. <laughs> that, that would be fun. All right, you can send it to uh, readingdune at gmail.com. Yes. And uh, that'd be great. Yeah, fantastic. All right, five minutes in. Let's, let's, let's start. Oh my gosh, we just spent five. Okay, Arrakis. <laughs> All right. Let's go. So, attack on Arrakeen. We read Dune here, I promise. <laughs> attack on Arrakeen um, has happened. Yui went down the shields, and ships have poured in. And this chapter starts with our lovely Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Ugh. Which at this point, I'm just imagining a giant baby. Yeah. Like a eight-foot-tall baby. But like a big baby. You know when you see your friend's baby and you're like, there's at least 50 rolls happening on this baby. That's exactly but it. Like, oh, it's so scary just to think about. Okay. Okay. All right. Our Baron stands at the viewport of his grounded lighter he was using as a command post. So he's still in his ship. He's not staying. Right. He doesn't want to go into the castle. He wants to get this over with. He wants to go back home to his lovely polluted Gady Prime where he can sit in acid baths all day long. Because he's a giant baby. Because he's a giant baby. At the port, he saw the flame-lighted knight of Arakeen. His attention was focused on the distant shield wall where his secret weapon was doing its work. Explosive artillery. Oh. So usually artillery isn't used because of shields, because if they like interact, um, they'll blow up like a nuclear explosion. explosion so they don't want to do that. that. Just, I thought that was just laser guns. Well, I think just in artillery in general, they've kind of like moved away from that type of thing. Okay. And um, explosives are pounding into the shield wall and they do that to seal off any of the Duke's men who ran to the caves for safety. So it's just a big way of killing a bunch of people. Mm. All right. So, yes, the Baron could feel the distant chomping, a drumbeat carried to him through the ship's metal. Brump, brump, then brump, brump, brump. <laughs> How'd I do? Was that good? That was pretty good. I think you're getting called out by uh, our friend Sahaya Dooney for uh, having a raspy podcast voice right now. Well, I mean, you said something at the beginning about podcast voice, so I'm trying my best. Anyway, anyway, the, the giant baby and chomping. Right. Um... <laughs> It was predictable the Duke's men would run for these caves, and the Emperor will appreciate my cleverness in preserving the lives of our mutual force. Mm. He adjusted the little suspenders that guarded his fat body against the pool of gravity. Oh, he's so gross. A smile creased his mouth, pulled at the lines of his jowls. Whoa. And so here's a line that I think perfectly describes the Baron. The whole universe sat there, open to the man who could make the right decision. He views this as the right decision, right? Whoever's expendable to take care of them, to move on. Who can make that hard decision? The Baron is that person. And the whole universe is opening up to that person. He takes it by force. Right. It's like... (sighs) 
it's like the right decision to further your agenda. It's not the right decision, you know, it's not and not by the, the Atreides right, standards, right? It's not the righteous decision. It's just make the right moves to gain more power. It's nasty giant baby. <laughs> The, uh, this is where he says, the uncertain rabbits had to be exposed and made a run for their burrows. How else could you control them and breed them? That's the way he pictures people. The way like a hunter or a carnivore, right, would stir something up to get all of them to move so you can see where they are, so you can round them up. Uh, I, <laughs> something about that, just the inhumanity of it, I guess how he pictures life in general. And then he thinks the day hums sweetly when you have enough bees working for you. Right? Because he pictures his fighting men like bees. Expendable, right. small. Sure, they die, but they kill, you know, they stink people. This right. Is like, Ugh. So he's having these... I'm just picturing, like, uh, this whole scene, I'm just picturing him, like, sitting in this or like standing whatever he does giant baby in this ship just like (laughs) just like thinking of these things and like chuckling to himself like what a jackass anyway (laughs) (laughs) the the door opens and he catches the reflection in the uh window he was looking out of and in walks piter followed by the captain of the Baron's personal guard. I'm not going to name him here because he's going to die by the end of the chapter. Spoilers. And his name's complicated, so why waste time? So why waste time? Yeah, mispronouncing it. (laughs) The Baron turned. Piter touched the finger to his forelock in a mocking salute. Good news, my lord. The Sardaukar have brought in the Duke. Of course they have. The Baron rumbled. So in this interaction, I think just in general, last chapter in this chapter, there's a lot of like obvious things. Like who else would bring the Duke in? Is this the Duke? Yeah, the guy laying on the ground. Yes, that's the Duke. Yeah. Like, come on. And, and especially between Piter, he's like kind of egg on the Duke whenever he can, or the Baron whenever he can. <laughs> Um, yes. Now, do you remember what happened between Piter and Jessica? Maybe it was like two chapters ago? No. Because originally, in chapter two, right, Piter says he wants Jessica for experimentation for something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember now. And then when Jessica and the Baron met, she was gagged and drugged. And she was coming out of it. And Baron says he wishes to prove a thing. Like, the Piter doesn't want Jessica. He wants power. Yeah. And Piter can choose Jessica in exile or to become the duchy. Remember, I was having a hard time saying that word. Um, Become the duchy of Arrakis. And he chose that. Well, that's a there's a reason that the Baron wanted him to do this. The Baron thinks, soon I must remove him, talking about Piter. He's almost outlasted his usefulness, almost reached the point of positive danger to my person. First, though, he must make the people of Arrakis hate him. 
then they will welcome my darling Fade, Ralpha, as a savior. So the Baron is using Piter to manipulate the people so that he, he can come in and swoop in and save the day with Fade, which is why Fade was brought in on that plan all the way back in Chapter 2. Right. Plans within plans within plans. Right. Do you... Okay, I have a question. Do you know, like, timeline-wise where we're at? Because the last chapter, it was it was before... Um, before Paul and Jessica got taken. Yes. Is this happening after the, I'm assuming this is happening after the conversation with Piter and Jessica and the Baron and all that junk. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. So, um, they would have went to Jessica's room where she was. He would have seen her had the conversation uh, saying he wishes he had a conversation with her and then he leaves and then goes back to his lighter here where right. he is. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Cause there's a bunch of time jumps here. So technically this is happening like simultaneously as Jessica and Paul are getting on the thopter. Right. Cool. But we have some things to take care of. The Baron does. First, we need to take care of the traitor. So the Baron asks, he says he must give the traitor his reward. Piter turns on one toe. Who turns on one toe? The evil guy. He <laughs> motioned to the guard outside. A bit of black movement, and then in walk Yui. His motions were stiff and stringy. I told you he runs weird. <laughs> <laughs> the mustache drooped beside his purple lips. Only his old eyes seemed alive. Yui came to stop three paces into the room, obeying a motion from Biter, and stood there, staring across the open space at the Baron. Ah, Dr. Yui. <laughs> Yui replies, my lord Harkonnen, you've given us the dear duke, I hear. And Yui says, my half of the bargain. The Baron looks at Piter, like, what? What's he talking about? Piter nods. Oh, yeah, don't you remember? The Baron looked back at Yui. The litter of the bargain, eh? And I... He spat the words out. What was I to do in return? You remember quite well, quite well, my Lord Harkonnen. And Yui allowed himself to think now, hearing the loud silence of the clocks in his mind, he had seen the subtle betrayals in the Baron's manner. Juana, his beloved, was indeed dead, gone far beyond their reach. Otherwise, there'd still be a hold on the weak doctor. The Baron's manner showed there was no hold. It was ended. So now we know his answer. Is, that was um, like the least satisfying thing. You know? What do you mean? Well, like, nothing. It's like, oh, yeah. you, here's your reward. Nothing. You know? I forgot about you. <sighs> like, I kind of I kind of wish they had, like, brought Juana out and just, like, killed her. 
that would have been much more intriguing and enticing. But no, maybe that's maybe that's the whole point. It's like he did all of this for absolutely nothing, for no reason, no reason at all. For, yeah, none whatsoever. And I think, um, like, I almost think that Baron, the Baron, had no clue. He just told like Piter, find me a traitor. You think? I thought he was being like coy and like he could be, he could be coy, or he just was like, I don't, you are not worth remembering. Oh God! And like you know, Piter nods like, "Oh yes, remember this thing? Oh yeah, we did this thing." That's so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right. So the next thing the Baron asks is, "Do I like? Do I have something to give you? I don't. You just do things for me." Huey, you promised to deliver my Wana from her agony. The Baron nodded. Oh yes, now I remember. So I did. That was my promise. And they think, you know, that's how we bent the imperial conditioning. You couldn't endure seeing your B'nai Gesserit witch grovel in Piter's pain amplifiers. Well, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen always keeps his promises. I told you I'd free her from the agony and permit you to join her. So be it. He waved a hand at Piter. Piter's blue eyes took a glazed look. His movement was cat-like in its fluidity. The knife in his hand glistened like a claw as it flashed into Yui's back. The old man stiffened, never taking his attention from the Baron. So join her, the Baron spat. The big baby spat and salivated on him. <laughs> you have Yui to make stood. Well, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm just reading Dune. I gotta, like, add these little things here. (laughs) (laughs) Yui stood swaying. His lips moved with careful precision, and his voice came in an oddly measured cadence. So Yui, in his last words, here he says, You think you defeated me? You think I did not know what I bought for my wanna, he f- he fell. No bending or softening. It was like a tree falling. So join her, the Baron repeated. But his words were like a weak echo. Ugh. Well, and thus ends the traitor Yui. Gone for nothing. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah, dead. Um, but Yui's last words did something. Yeah. It, it filled the Baron with a sense of foreboding. What did he mean? What is going on? Right? There's this, huh? What's happening? Right. Now he's like, he planted this seed of uncertainty and fear in the Baron. And why Why did he do that? Let's be real. If he doesn't do anything, the Baron still thinks he has the top, I don't know, the edge. Yeah. Right? Now he's like, oh, by the way, I have another move for you, so watch out. Like, if he doesn't say that. Then he would, he would be caught off guard by anything else that happened. Yeah, I don't know. Just, it seems like in his moment of... He couldn't have just gone treasurously and just died. 
Yeah, I think he, he was trying like- to get some kind of retribution. You know, like I know that I can give him like a sense of insecurity and and doubt and maybe that'll mess him up i don't know i don't know Um, all right so now that the traitor is taken care of we're on to the second thing that needs to happen the baron needs his match off with duke leto right they've been exchanging nasty letters back and forth calling each other names they want to have you know invoke canley fight one to one you know, with a knife fight, big baby versus the Duke Lido. <laughs> they want this. So of course the Baron's like pumped about this. Like, yes, I can't wait to lord over. Right. I've destroyed everything. All right. So he says, you know, the Baron asked Yui, he did give us the Duke, right? Of course, as Fighter says, then get him in here. Fighter glanced as the guard captain who whirled to obey. The Baron looked down at Yui. From the way the men had fallen, you'd suspect oak in him instead of bones. I could never bring myself to trust a traitor, the Baron says. Not even a traitor I created. The worst, dude. (laughs) And at that moment, the thumping stops. And a hush stillness comes. Yet there was this feeling of doubt. What did the old fool, the doctor, meant? Of course, he probably knew what was happening to him by the end. But do you think, but that bit about thinking he'd been defeated, what did he mean? In comes Duke Leto Atreides through the door. His arms were bound in chains. The eagle face was streaked with dirt. His uniform was torn, where someone had ripped off his insignia. There were tatters at his waist where the shield belt had been removed without first freeing from his uniform ties. The Duke's eyes held a glazed, insane look. The Duke is still very much drugged out of his mind at this point. He's he's tripping super hard right now. (laughs) Well, the Baron said. He hesitated, drawing in a deep breath. He knew he'd spoken too loudly. This moment, long envisioned, had lost some of its savor. Mm. Damn that cursed doctor through all eternity. (laughs) Piter. Piter says, "Uh, I believe that a good duke is drugged. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Yui caught him for us. Piter turned to the duke. Aren't you drugged, my dear duke? (laughs) Leto, nothing. Could you imagine having that big moment and you're just like, bump, 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 nothing. Yeah. Just like, oh, first you thought Yui gives that. And then this moment, I feel like the, the Baron may be winning this fight on the planet, but he's definitely losing. Right. He's, it's not what he expected it to be. It's not this like sweet, awesome victory. He's, no. Yeah. It's lost all of its drama. It's just, but missed expectations. Yep. All right. So now we get in the mind of Yui, where the voice feels far away. 
he can start feeling his body again, the dry taste of thirst whispering in it, its grit in his mouth. But the sounds were dull, hidden by cotton, a cottony blanket. He's under some heavy drugs. Yep. The Baron asks Piter, because of course he can't talk to the Duke, so he might as well talk to Piter. What, are the, what about the woman and the boy? Any word yet? Piter's tongue darted over his lips. You've heard something, the Baron snapped. What? Piter glanced at the guard captain, back to the Baron. Like, uh, should I tell him? <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> the men who were sent to do the job, my lord, they've, uh, mm, uh, they've been found. <laughs> well, they report everything satisfactory. They're dead, my lord. Well, of course they are. What I want to know is, uh, they were dead when found, my lord. The Baron's face went livid. And the woman? And the boy? No sign, my lord, but uh, there was a worm. It came when the scene was being investigated. Perhaps it was as we wished. An accident? Possibly. <laughs> we do not deal in possibilities, Piter. What about the missing doctor? Does that suggest anything to my mentat? One of the Duke's men obviously escaped in it, my lord. Killed our pilot and escaped. I think that's Ido. Yeah, I just I just got that. Me that's too. That's you were reading it. I just got that too. Okay, cool. That's so smart. <laughs> it's funny, I've read this book maybe four or five times. I'm still catching things. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm reading it all over again. This is so much fun. <laughs> um what which of the duke's men it was a clean silent killing my lord howick perhaps or that howick one possibly out of her or any top lieutenants it could have been howick it could have been gurney gurney could have escaped we don't know what happened to gurney right cross our fingers possibilities the yeah. baron muttered keep saying well possibly like it's gonna help him <laughs> Well, it's like, uh, what did Kind say about possible? Like, we don't deal with hypotheticals on Arrakis. We only deal with possibilities. Yeah. Or we don't deal with possibilities. Something like that. Yeah. yeah something, something like that. Something like that. Some quote like that. <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody in the comments to say what that actual quote is. <laughs> like they're on, people in the comments are honest. If you want to watch live and if you're all cut up, please do. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> So, Piter says, the situation is in hand, my lord. Right? Yeah, we caught him. No, it's, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Baron. No, it isn't. Where's that stupid planetologist? Where's that mankind's? Uh, we word where to find him. He's been sent for, my lord. I don't like the way the Emperor's servant is helping us. The Baron muttered. So do you, okay, we know that Kynes has orders from the Emperor, so if anything goes wrong, too. Get rid of the Atreides. Right. And possibly that's what happened with, you know, the first time they went out with the worm. Um, so do you think the Baron is like looking for, like he's kind of supposed to be helping, quote unquote, with this whole thing. So now he's wanting to, the Baron wants to see kind to see, hey, what are you doing? How are you helping me? Right. But we know that Kynes, at least, I. Th it seems that Kynes has had a, 
a change of heart, a change of fealty, if you will, where he's like, actually, the Atreides are pretty dope. I'm going to go with them because they got it going on and the Harkonnens low-key kind of suck. <laughs> they don't, they don't low-key suck. They actually they, suck. They high-key suck. Like, <laughs> they suck in every way. At least Jessica wants to, you know, hold the the trees in the conservatory for in trust when they turn the planet green, you know? The Harkonnens just want to burn all the trees. Oh, dude. <laughs> Evan's, Evan's pissed about burning trees. I didn't even think about that. That's so heavy. Anyway. Um, no. maybe, yeah, it's, there's, just a lot of, there's a lot of things you can just compare. <laughs> All right. We're back in Alito's head. The words to the cottony blanket. But some of them burn in Alito's mind. Woman. Boy. No sign. Paul and Jessica escaped. What about the fate of Howitt? Halleck and Idaho remain unknown. There's still hope. So in his drugged senses he he's kind of putting the pieces together right so now the baron moving on to the next thing all right at least where's his ducal signet ring that that's that we at least we have that right but nope the finger is bare another thing we've missed the sardaukar say was not on him when he was taken by board the guard captain said you killed the doctor too soon the baron said that was a mistake you should have warned me, Piter. <laughs> Straight to the blame game. <laughs> Piter, it's your fault. <laughs> you moved too precipitously for our good of our enterprise. He scowled. Possibilities. You got that word good, precipitately. Uh, yeah, thanks. I practiced in the mirror like three times before recording this. <laughs> I, was, I was scared of that one, man. I'd have never... Precipitately. Precipitately. You have to anyway. say it really fast and you're good. Precipitately. <laughs> Five five bucks. You won't use it in a conversation tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, good. Let me know. Let me know how it goes. That thought hung in the air like a sine wave in Lido's mind. Paul and Jessica have escaped. Paul and Jessica have escaped. Paul and Jessica have escaped. There was something else in his memory. A bargain. He could almost remember it. What's the thing the he's missing? Tooth. The tooth. He all remembered it now. A pill of poison gas shaped into a false tooth. Someone had told him to remember the tooth. He could feel, he could feel it, the shape of it with his tongue. All he had to do was to bite sharply. Not yet. That someone had told him to wait until he was near the Baron. Who, who told him? He couldn't remember. So the Baron and Piter just waiting <laughs> awkwardly. How long will he remain drugged like this? The big baby says. Perhaps another hour, my lord. Perhaps, the Baron muttered. Again, he turned to the night blackened window. And what what what, what does the big baby want, Evan? I'm what do you do when he waits? I'm hungry. <laughs> He's hungry. I'm hungry. If he, I mean, if he's got to wait an hour, he might as well, like, you know, get some grub. Yeah. You think, uh, Duke Lido is just kind of sitting there tripping out, like, just like, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, I don't know. I've I've seen some people. <laughs> you know. 
I I can only, I mean, the closest experience, I guess, to what they're talking about is like when I had my wisdom teeth out. (coughs) Yeah. You know, and you're like out of it, but not out of it, but in it. And probably like a little bit before he's like, I don't think he ever gets to the point in this chapter where he's like out of it completely. Right. Which is the biggest grace. Yeah. You were going to say something. Well, it's just like he's he's obviously like real drugged up, but he still never like says anything. And I think it's not it doesn't say anything about the drug or his state necessarily, but his intelligence, you know, he's enough to even when he's like tripping super hard to be like, okay, what's happening? The woman and the boy, that means they're okay. All right. They don't know where, uh, but he's like on the outside, he's probably just like, well, you know, like wobbly and, you know, looking. If only Huey would have drugged himself too. That would have been great. Yeah. But, you know, alas. Anyway. But I, I do think there is something about him not saying anything that, like, hanging out with Jessica and the Bene Gesserit, like, training the patients. Yeah. Like, don't do anything until the move. And he only has one move, and that's a tooth. So, so while he's drugged, coming out of it for, like, an hour, um, the Baron gets a whole buffet gets wheeled out to him and he just sits there and eats it. Oh. Just munching on it. That's the Baron. That fuzzy gray shape there. We'd have thought. The shape danced back and forth, swaying with the movement of the room. And the room expanded and contracted. It grew brighter and darker. It folded into blackness and faded. Yeah. Time became hard. That's- oh, yes. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I love this line here. This is how you know he's really tripping. Time became a sequence of layers for the Duke. It He drifted up through them and down. I must wait. <laughs> he's like piecing together this like most tragic moment of his life. But he's also like, time is like layers, dude. Oh, man. I need to calm down. You know, like he's, I need to calm down. <laughs> Oh, this is super trippy right now. It's probably you know that sine wave is probably a a good you know you go you go up and then down and right. up and right. down, and at the peak of it, it's like Paul and Jessica are, are alive. Okay, holy crap, I'm tripping balls. Come back up. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, Yui probably gave him the good stuff. He wasn't messing around. Hopefully, hopefully. So there was the table. We saw the table quite clearly and a gross fat man on the other side of the table, the remains of his meal in front of him. Weedo felt himself sitting in a chair across the fat man, felt the chain. Okay. Felt the chains and straps that had held his tingling body in the chair. And he was aware that there had been a passage of time, but its length escaped him. Oh, we all been there, Lido. <laughs> okay. Do you think that, um, so the Baron has, he's sitting down table. Did he like pull the Duke up to like sit with him as he eats? Yeah. Like across from him? Like he doesn't leave him in a corner just waiting. He like, no, he's like, like chained I'm, up to a chair, like a sad dinner guest. <laughs> that's what, that's I what I'm picturing. 
just like sitting like you know you're sitting across from the person you're going to dinner with but one of them is just drugged out of their mind yeah exactly waiting till he wakes up okay so he could have like got the he could have bitten down on his tooth and probably been okay like he would have been close enough like they were not socially distanced at this point they're pretty close they're within that six feet Right, right. I was, I was kind of picturing before when they were talking about the when when you he was talking about the tooth. I pictured like the Duke like laid out on something, and like the Baron is like right on top of him, like examining, you know? Yeah. But so then when he was sitting at a table, I was like, oh man, is that close enough? Like, how big is the table? Because these are like fancy people; they got big tables. You know? Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, okay. There's been a passage of time sitting at the table together. I believe he's coming around, Baron. A silky voice, that one. That one was Piter. As just could say, that voice kills. It's a killing. So I see Piter, the rumbling basso. Baso, that's the Baron. Basso, you're the you're the musical that. one in here. Basso Profundo. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Lido sensed increasing definition in his surroundings. The chair beneath him took a firmness. The bindings were sharper. He saw the Baron clearly now. Lido watched the movements of his the man's hands, compulsively touching the edge of his plate. He the handle of the spoon, a finger tracing the fold of the jowl. You just don't like the Baron's descriptions, do you, Evan? He's cringing. No. Sorry, for people listening, I mean, he's cringing this whole time. <laughs> it's like Frank. Frank is describing his gross mannerisms in such a perfect way to make you just like cringe at everything about him. You know, like you just picture it. Can you just like picture somebody like sitting there and like nervously like touching everything in front of them and it's like, <laughs> like that's disturbing and just like weird you know so as he's doing that he the baron can see that leto is tracking his movements he sees the hand moving you can hear me duke leto the baron said i know you can hear me i want to know where you were to find your concubine and the child you sired on her no sign escaped Leto, but the words of wash of calmness through him. It's true, then. They don't have Paul and Jessica. This is not a child's game we play, the Baron rumbled. You must know that. He leaned towards Leto, studying the face. It pained the Baron that this could not have been handled privately, just between them two. To have, the, to have others... Whoop, to have others see royalty in such straits, it sets a bad precedent. Like, I don't think the Baron wanted Leto drugged. He wanted to face him straight up, as because he calls them royalty, him included. Um, I don't know if he means, I don't think it's like royalty to the emperor, but definitely he imagines himself and probably the Lanserad Council right. as royalty. Leto could feel his strength returning and now the memory of the false tooth stood out in his mind like a steeple in a flat landscape 
And this is where he remembers Yui. Mm. He knew it had to be Yui. Do you hear that noise? Duke Leto, the Baron asked. Leto grew conscious, conscious of the frog sound. The bored mewling of someone's agony. Mewling? Mewling. We know what that word is. That popped up a couple chapters ago. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> See, we are learning, Evan. We're, I know it's hard. But we, smart people. We, we've come so far. <laughs> this is where the Baron says, we caught one of your men disguised as Fremen. We penetrated his disguise. How? His eyes. He doesn't have the eyes. Yep. He says, I've lived on this planet, sheer cousin. What does not spy on those ragged scum up in the desert? Tell me, did you buy their help? Did you send your woman and son to them? Leto felt fear tighten his chest. If you sent them into the desert fold, the search won't stop until they're found. Ooh. Come, come, the Baron said. We don't have much time and pain is quick. Please don't bring it to this, my dear Duke. And so then the Baron and the, um, says, well, we're going to have Piter come in and make it excruciatingly painful, but I don't want that to happen. You're a royal person. I don't want to see you in pain. Just, just let us know what's going on. You'll die. You had an emergency plan, the Baron said. Where are your woman and the boy been sent? He sent, he looked at Leto's hand. Your ring is missing. Does the boy have it? The Baron looked up and stared in Leto's eyes. You don't, you don't answer, he said. Will force me to do a thing I don't want to do. Piter will use simple, direct methods. I agree, there's sometimes the there's sometimes the best, but it's not good that you should be subject to such things. And then Baron keeps calling him share cousin. Yeah, what is that? I looked it up because um, I was confused too. Because I don't know if the Baron and the Duke Leto are directly related like that. It could be, but in French, it just means dear cousin. So it could be like a term of appreciation for like somebody in the Lanzarad, like they were royalty. Like you would just say, like, like family, they're cousins. They're both leaders of houses. Yeah. There's a familiarity there. Yeah, that's what I assumed. But yeah, I don't think they're. Um, but I mean, I'm sure that knowing the Bene Gesserit, all the noble houses are somewhat related. Yep. Like way back in the feudal system, you know, medieval era, everybody was related to everybody. All the kings and queens and princes were all cousins in some sort. Right. Probably something like that. The Bene Gesserit hell will have it on a list somewhere. Yeah. They know who's related to who. It's in, a, it's in a book in a library somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere. They got it. Piter keeps wanting to um, torture him because that's what Piter does best. But hey, we waste time, Baron, Piter said, because of course he wants to torture him. Perhaps. The Baron nodded. You know, my dear Leto, you'll tell us in the end where they are. There's a level of pain that you'll buy that that'll buy you. 
Weedo thinks he's most likely correct, if not for the tooth and the fact that I truly don't know where they are. So the Baron's feeling awkward. He picks up a sliver of meat and presses the morsel into his mouth, chewed slowly, and swallowed. We must try a new track. You know, well, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's bored eating at this point. He wants to move on, but he's just... Eats. So gross. It's, it's pretty gross. All right, here it is. Um... Let's see. The frog sounds in the background had stopped. That was the, the Atreides men being tortured. Right. The Baron saw the car, the captain of the guard appeared in the doorway across the room, shake his head. The captive hadn't produced the needed information. Another failure. This chapter is riddled with failures. Time to quit stalling with this fool duke. This stupid soft fool. He doesn't realize how much hell there was only so near to him, only a nerve's thickness away. This thought calmed the Baron, overcoming his reluctance to have a royal person subject to such pain. He saw himself suddenly as a surgeon, exercising endless supple scissor dissections, cutting away the masks from fools, exposing the hell beneath. Rabbits. All of them. And how they cowered when they saw the carnivore. Um, the theme of carnivore will pop up more and more again um, as we continue. And the idea of how the Baron thinks himself as himself as this winch key carnivore at the top of the food chain. So everything would fall apart without him. Uh, that's how he thinks about himself. I don't know if that's true, but that's how he thinks of himself. Right. Leto stared across the table, wondering why he waited. The tooth would end it all so quickly. Still, it had been good much of this life. He found himself remembering an antenna kite up dangled in the shell blue sky of Caladan and Paul laughing with the joy at the sight of it. Just picture Timothy Chalamet laughing. It just makes your heart happy. <laughs> he remembered a sunrise here on Arrakis, covered with the strata of the shield wall mellowed by dust haze. I think it, I find it interesting that he like has a memory of Caladan and also a memory of Arrakis, the two planets right. he lived on. Too bad, the Baron muttered. He pushed himself back from the table, stood up lightly in the suspensor and hesitated, seeing a change come over the Duke. He saw the man draw in a deep breath, the jawline stiffen, the ripple of the muscle there as the duke clamped his mouth shut. How he fears me, the baron thought. (laughs) (laughs) Shocked shocked by fear, the baron might escape him. Weedo bit sharply on the capsule tooth, felt it break. He opened his mouth, expelling the biting vapor as he could taste it as it formed on his tongue. The baron grew smaller a figure seen in a, seen in a tightening, tightening tunnel. Yeah. Leto heard a gasp behind his ear, the silky-voiced one, Fighter. It got him too. Fighter, what's wrong? The rumbling voice was far away. Leto sensed memories rolling in his mind, the old toothless mutterings of a hag, the room, the table, the baron, the pair of terrified eyes, blue within blue, the eyes 
all compressed around him in a ruined cemetery. There was a man with a barefoot, boot-toed chin, a toy man falling, a toy man a broken nose slanted to the left, an offbeat metronome caught forever in the start of an upward stroke. Whoa. That's a weird line. Whoa. It is. It's very poetic. Oh. Like <laughs> that, describes, that describes somebody's nose. Slanted <laughs> to the left. Man. Leto heard the crash of crockery so distant a roaring in his ears. His mind was a bin without end, catching everything, everything that had ever been, every shout, every whisper, every silence. One thought remained to him. Guido saw in his formless light in the rays of black. The day the flesh shapes and the flesh the day shapes. The thought struck him with a sense of fullness he could never explain. And then silence. There it is. And thus, thus ends the Duke. It happened. How do you feel, Evan? Just such a such a bad way for such a good man to go out. You know? I mean... Well, I'm glad he had control over it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, but the fact that he kind of had to like commit suicide he had to suicide bomb this room basically yeah and that was this powerful righteous man's last action like that just sucks it's really sad you know um that's how i feel anyway do you think he got the baron we got piter we got a couple other guys yeah we clearly got some people i guess we're about to find out Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the Baron stood with his back against a private door, his own bolt hole behind the table. He slammed it on a room full of dead men. No! See, yeah. He sent His senses took in the guard swarming around him. Did I breathe it in? He asked himself. Whatever was there, did it get me too? All right, so then... The blowers come in because I'm sure the room is just full with gas. So the blowers come in and like try to suck everything out. Right. And he could analyze it. His shield had been activated, but set to low. There was still enough slow manicure interchange across this field barrier. And he had been pushed himself away from the table. That and Piter's shock grasp, shocked gasp, which had brought yep. the guard captain darting forward into, into his own doom. Chance and the warning and a dying man's gasp that had saved him. So, so if 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 the Duke would have done like seconds before, because he the Baron like gets up from the table. Right. He he had just like moved backwards. And that's you know, I mean, he was tripping, so that makes sense, but man, just like a second earlier. Yeah, one second earlier, this whole book would have been semi-different, but yeah. Yeah. Well, now Piter's dead. The guard captain, which we, you know, said at the very beginning of the chapter, is also now dead. Yeah. The Baron felt no gratitude for Piter. The fool had got himself killed, and the stupid guard captain. Like, who checked this guy? Right. 
Right. No matter now, the Baron thought, his mind firming, the next guard captain will begin by finding the answers to all these questions. Hugo, he grew aware of more activity down the hall, around the corner, at the other door of the room of death. To that room of death. Yeah. The Baron pushed himself away from his own door, studied the lackeys around him. And everyone stood there looking at the Baron. And the Baron realized only a few seconds had passed since his flight from that terrible room. Some of the guards had weapons leveled at the door. A man came striding around the corner, gas mask dangling by the straps at his neck, his eyes intent on the overhead poison snoopers that had lined, lined this corridor. He had yellow hair, a flat face with green eyes. Chris lines radiated from his thick-lipped mouth. He looked like a water creature misplaced among those who walked the land. The Baron stared at the approaching man and recalled his name. Nafud. Akin Nafud, guard corporal. Nafud was addicted to Sumta. It's a drug. The drug-music combination that played itself in the deepest consciousness. A useful information, that. The man stopped in front of the Baron and saluted. Corridor is clear, my lord. I was outside watching. I saw there must be poison gas. Ventilators in your room were pulling in air from these corridors. He glanced up at the snooper over the Baron's head. None of the stuff escaped. We have the room cleaned out now. What are your orders? The Baron recognized the man's voice. The one who had been shouting orders. Efficient, this corporal. They're all dead in there, the Baron asked. Oh, they're all dead in there, the Baron asked? Yes, my lord. <laughs> well, we must adjust, the Baron thought. First, let me congratulate you, Nafud. You are now the new captain of my guard. And I hope you take... To heart the lesson you learned from the, from the fate of your predecessor. The Baron watched the awareness grow in this newly promoted guardsman. Nufud knew he'd never again be without be without his drug of choice. I just imagine also the drug. It's a like a music consciousness, like a it's like a. I just imagine I just imagine a, somebody on ecstasy in a rave all the time in the back of your brain. Just like ns, 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 ns. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. That's more fun than what I thought. What do you think of? I don't know. Just like I, it wasn't explained very well. All they said was the drug music combination that itself in the deepest consciousness. Like I don't know. I was like, maybe it's like something you listen to or like it's some kind of it's like binary, binary beats that make you happy yeah like some weird type of like space drug that we can't really <laughs> conceive of that's kind of what i was thinking yeah there's a lot of drug references in this chapter frank knows what he's talking about he's done some i mean come on <laughs> sounds like <you're> yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got some experience in there. Yeah. For sure. All right. So the Baron then he's outside and all of a sudden up walks the Bashar, the Sardaukar Bashar. Yes. So the guy that um, was with uh, Yui in our last chapter who gave the Duke found him. Same guy. Right. So he comes in. And the Colonel Bashar came striding towards the Baron, whose eyes went to slits of apprehension. 
The Colonel Bouchard planted himself half a pace in front of the Baron, hands on his hips. The guard hovered behind him in a twitching uncertainty. The Baron noted the absence of a salute, the disdain in the Sardaukar's manner, and his uneasiness grew. And he thinks, there's only one legion of them locally, ten brigades enforcing the Harkonnen legion. Remember, a legion is 30,000 people, or soldiers. Yeah. But the Baron did not fool himself. That one legion was perfectly capable of turning on the Harkonnens and overcoming them. Ooh. <clears throat> Tell your men they're not to prevent me from seeing you, Baron, the Sardaukar growled. My men brought you, the Atreides Duke, before I could... Oh, this is the Sardaukar. He says, my men brought you, the Atreides Duke, before I could discuss his fate with you. We will have to discuss it now. Whoops. He wants to talk about the Duke Guido. Uh-oh. And um, how what his fate's going to be, but uh, he's dead now, so this will be awkward. Womp <laughs> The Sardaukar says, My emperor has charged me with making certain his royal cousin dies cleanly without agony. The Baron. Were such were the imperial orders to me, do you think I'd disobey? I'm to report to my emperor what I see with my own eyes, the Sardaukar said. The duke's already dead, the baron snapped, and he waved a hand to dismiss the fellow. The colonel Bouchard remained planted facing the baron. How? Really? The baron thought, this is too much. Like, this kid, go on, dude. By his own hand, if you must know, he took poison. I'll see the body now, the Colonel Bashar said. The Baron raised his gaze to the ceiling in a feigned exasperation. Both thoughts raised. Damnation. The sharp-eyed Sardaukar will see that the room before things have been changed. Now, the Sardaukar growled, I'll see it with my own eyes. There's no preventing it, the Baron realized. The Sardaukar would see it. He knew that the Duke had killed Harkonnen men and the Baron most likely had escaped by the narrow margin and there was evidence of the dinner rem remnants on the table and the dead Duke across from the, across from the destruction around him. No preventing it at all. I should not be put off, the Colonel Bashar snarled. You're not being put off, the Baron said and he stared in the, into the Sardaukar's obsidian eyes. I hide nothing from my emperor. He nodded to Nafud. The Colonel Bashar is to see everything at once. Take him in by the door where you stood, Nafud. This way, sir. Insufferable, the Baron thought. Now the Emperor will know how I slipped up. He'll recognize it as a sign of weakness. And it was agonizing to realize the Emperor and Asardokar were alike in their disdain for weakness. The Baron chewed his lower lip, consoling himself that the Emperor at least had not learned that of the Atreides' raid on Giddy Prime and the destruction of the, Har of the Harkonnen spice stores there. I think I want to talk about, like, real fast, how at the beginning of the chapter, Mighty, there's this idea of weakness and how we, a man uh, is waiting. I think I had a quote that is the... What was it at the very end? The whole universe sat there, open to a man who could make the right decisions, right? Failure was expendable. And in this whole chapter, the Baron fails over and over and over and over and over again. 
And here it is. His like high and mightiness is now like, by the way, the emperor knows you failed. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And you can watch his attitude change slowly throughout um, the chapter as he gets more and more uncertain. Yes, about what's bad. Yeah, about what's happening. So the Baron thinks we must adjust, right? Because the original plan was to have Piter as the duchy to which he would torture the people and then Fade would come in. Now we're going to have to make the Beast Raban the duchy and have him do it, which the Beast Raban was already in charge of Arrakis, so not much will change. But it's just just annoying. And we're also now without a Mentat. I must send at once to the Talax Zoo for a new Mentat. They undoubtedly have a new one ready for me by now. Um, I most want to think that uh, Piter's... Um, part of me just imagined this as I was reading it last time, that like probably Piter only had like three missions, this being one of them. Like the other Mentat was killed and he was brought in. And he's like, all right, I want you, I want you to do this one thing for me. Use all of your skills and I want Arrakis. And I think that's like, ugh. And just, yeah, as we were going through with this chapter of like how much Piter knew and how much he'd set up for this, part of me wants to think it was like his only big mission. Because it probably had some years and years to set up. All right. One of the guardsmen beside him coughed. The Baron turned towards the man. What's he say? I am hungry. <laughs> yes, my lord. And I wish to be diverted while you're cleaning out that room. I'm hungry. <laughs> he studies its secrets for me. The guardsman lowered his eyes. What diversion does my lord wish? I'll be in my sleeping chambers, the Baron said. Bring me that young fellow we bought in Garmont. The one with the lovely eyes. Drug him well. I don't feel like wrestling. Yes, my lord. The Baron turned away, again moving with his bouncing, suspended, buoyed pace towards his chambers. Yes, he thought, the one with the lovely eyes. The one who looks so much like the young Paul Atreides. Dun, 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 dun. This ends chapter 21. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> that ending was like the yuckiest thing. Ah. and it's, it's all about like, power again we don't we don't shame people over here except for it's completely about power for the baron there's nothing yeah i'm not trying to say that it's just purely about power and manipulation it doesn't matter how it looks or how it works power over people is bad right duality <laughs> Sexuality aside, the action of him buying a slave, like a sex slave, because it they look like Paul. That's just like gross, and and just goes back to big baby just being a nasty, grosso, awful, terrible person. Yeah, the Baron's the worst. 
Definitely the worst. But this chapter, I think, is almost humorous because he starts off so grandiose. Mm -hmm. And by the end, just disappointment after disappointment and failure after failure. We just slowly see him lose his patience. And that's almost, it's kind of funny to watch. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the chapter. We won't keep you much very longer. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up at Twitter, Reading Dune, Gmail, readingdune at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We also love if you, you know, subscribed on YouTube, hit that follow button on Spotify or whatever. Share with a friend. I mean, I learned about all my great podcasts from people who share it with me. Like when Evan says, hey, listen to this, I listen to it. So, yeah, please. We appreciate it. And thank you, as always, for reading Dune with us. And remember, stay spicy, my friends. Yeah. Evan, you're so glitchy. <laughs>